All right. How is, how is the, you guys enjoying this colder weather? Because I am. Man, 50 degrees at night, you can't beat it. Actually get out the fire pit and not sweat to death because you're 100 degrees and a fire. I've enjoyed it. I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, before we get into everything, a couple of announcements. If you're a first-time guest in the back, we have a gift for you that we would like to give you. Um, go ahead and grab one of those on your way out. We thank you for being here. And uh, if you would, register with us at LifeChurchUtah.com. That way it just allows us to know that you are a guest and keep in touch with you uh, if you want any information about what's coming up. Uh, tithes and offerings, if you have any gifts you'd like to give, back at the back at the kiosk, we have, uh, you can give there or at LifeChurchUtah.com. And then I just wanted to give you a reminder, back in the back, um, on the east end of the building, we have our library. Uh, the, it's slowly filling up, and we're, oh, I had such a fun slide. And it's a mountain. Imagine. We're coming. Welcome, guests, tithes, offerings. If you like to read, we have books. Uh, it's all on an honor system, so if, if you, there's a book back there you want to read, grab it, read it, bring it back, grab another one, take it, read it. Those are there for you to use, so use it. Um, and then uh, back um, at the table when you first walked in, we have an announcement for a ladies' night. Um, so ladies, you're invited. Take a look at the flyer there, and uh, if you want to be involved, snap a picture. Uh, you are invited. It's at the Obanen household. They are hosting, and uh, it'll just be a good time for you ladies to get together and uh, get to know each other and, and hang out. I honestly don't know what is planned. I'm not in charge of that one, so have fun with it. But uh, to recap, we've kind of, we've not kind of, we've been in a seven-week, well, so far seven weeks, a series on the book of Galatians, and I've really enjoyed it. I don't know if you've enjoyed it, but when I'm preparing these messages and uh, even delivering them, I'm challenging myself on these principles and applying them to my life and uh, trying to do what I can to better my walk with Christ. So hopefully you've enjoyed it, and today we're going to continue uh, in our study of that. Um, but three weeks ago, we looked at how life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus, that by allowing Jesus and inviting him into our hearts and into our lives, his influence over us changes us, and, and we find our true freedom in that change and in his influence. And then two weeks ago, we looked at how we need the Spirit living inside of us, how when we invite Jesus to do life with us, he sends His Holy, the Holy Spirit to do life with us, and he empowers us to live out God's principles. And then last week, we learned that through adoption, God's promises become ours, that when we accept salvation, God accepts us and brings us into his family, and all the promises that he has given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to the Israelites are now ours because we are adopted into his family, and our relationship with the Father becomes different. It becomes more personable, and, or personal, and we it, it changes changes to more of a we talked about Abba Father, him, him being more of a, a daddy to us, a dad to us, and that personal relationship. And we've taken this all of this these studies, and we've wrapped them up in uh, 
Galatians 5, 1, and we've read it every week, and it says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So freedom. What a bold thought of freedom. The thought that I can govern myself, that if anyone knows what's best for me and my family, it is me. It's something that I think some people are, are losing in our world, this sense of freedom for themselves. And I don't know if it's because it, it's false teaching. I don't know if it's out of fear. I don't know what it is. But people are giving away their freedom. And it's something that, that kind of concerns me. And, and we know that in our fiber of America, Freedom is who we are. It's ingrained in who we are. And we, we see uh, our founders, they wrote these words. This is the First Amendment to the Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of, a re of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble. To peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, that we have that, that freedom, that it, it, it's what we're founded on, that we can protest, we can raise our voices, but we do it peaceably. We don't do it through riots and through destruction, but through peace, and we petition. In the Bill of Rights, they wrote this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered by only repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. The, the groundwork of who we are as Americans is freedom, to live in freedom, to, to self-govern ourselves. And I believe it's a desire that we have, and I don't think it's just an American thing. I think it's something that we are created with, this desire for freedom. Think of a child when they're born. They go from an infant that's held all the time, and then as they grow up, you lay them down, they go from stationary to rolling. If they're my Ava Jane, they, they say that uh, when a baby's newborn, you swaddle them real tight in their blanket, and, and they just love it. It reminds them of being in their mother's womb. And we would swaddle Ava super tight, think she's going to sleep. And the next thing you know, she's just laying out the blankets down to her feet. She hated being swaddled. She wanted that freedom, but then they go from an infant and rolling on the ground to crawling and walking, and then they, they get to roam the house or the yard, but they have the confines of where they can go, and then they go from a, a kid that's crawling and walking to, to running and then to a kid who rides their bicycle, and they have this newfound freedom that they can kind of go wherever they want. And, and it's fun because Harrison will take and he'll ride his bike down the street and, and, and have fun. And we were talking with my in-laws uh, this last week because it was getting late and Harrison was still out playing and riding his bike. And they, they were worried. 
And I said, oh, that's nothing. When I was a kid, man, I, if it was Saturday, I was up, and I was riding my bike down to Brandon's house. And the trip started small. We went from the house down to the grocery store or to Arctic Circle to buy some ice cream or a hamburger. And then we got a little bit older. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Salt Lake, but if I lived on 5600 West and 6200 South. And we would ride our bike from there down to 5400 South in Bangor. So it's kind of like the equivalent of going from here maybe to Grantsville or Lake Point. And uh, we started trading cards and there was a card shop down there. And so we would get on our bikes and ride down to the card shop, buy some new cards, and then there was a dollar theater there, so we'd watch a movie. And Now, my, my parents knew where I was at. That was part of the rules. Mom had to know where I was going. But I had this, this freedom to go out and do what I wanted, a little bit more freedom. And then you go from riding your bike to the card shop to a teenager, and you, ri- you get a to drive a car. You trade your two wheels for four wheels. Now, there's something about this new generation I don't understand. They don't want to drive. It was, uh, it was all I wanted, to be able to get into the truck and just go wherever I wanted. And, you know, my first vehicle was the, the rusty old 78 Ford pickup truck that was my dad's and it was my grandpa's before that. And I had this freedom of I could go wherever I want. And, and the only rule was... I had a curfew. I had to be back at a certain time. And again, mom and dad had to kind of know where I was at. And then you become an adult. And now you get to make the rules. You get to establish what you want to do. You can do, you're free to do as you please, as long as you're not breaking the law. You, you can do whatever you want. In fact, it's kind of, it's funny because the kids now go to bed at 8.30 for school because they're in school. And every night, it's one of them. Why do you get to stay up so late? It's like, because I'm the adult. I get to do what I want. You're a kid. And plus, you don't realize that I'm helping you not be tired tomorrow. I am make a bad decision and stay up late, and then I'm groggy tomorrow for work. So I'm doing you a favor. But from the beginning of time, I, be- I believe God has ingrained in us this desire for freedom. Go back to the Garden of Eden, where God has created Adam and Eve. And he has given them full freedom of the garden. You can do whatever you want. Just don't touch that tree. Whatever you want, just stay away from that tree. And they used their freedom to go to that tree. But it's something that he has put inside of us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is this idea of freedom, of freedom? What does it look like? Does it give us the freedom to do and live however we want? Is there guidelines? Is there confinement when it comes to our freedom? We're going to continue our study in the book uh, in chapter 5 of Galatians, chapter, uh, verses 13 through 15. And while I was preparing, I had this thought, and it was this. Our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. Our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. So let's pick up here in verses 13 through 15. I'll read them. It says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your presence in this place, and we thank you for your word. And we ask this morning that as we look at this idea of freedom and what it means and what it means for us as, as believers, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear and understand what it is you're saying to us. We thank you. You're good. You're gracious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the, the book, the, chap, the fifth chapter of Galatians, Paul is continuing to make his argument as to why we cannot add anything to salvation. And, and it's talking, he's talking about circumcision, adding circumcision to salvation. And he's making the case that if you add anything, any rule to salvation, you are no longer under grace, but you are now under the law and the full weight of the law. And, and, and he's, he's trying to get this through their idea or through their, through their mind. And, and he goes into the false teaching and questioning, like, who is it that brought this to you? And he, he warns them and he says, and it's a verse that we're all familiar with in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we have to be cautious about what we let inside, what we listen to, what we uh, study, what we, who we uh, allow to influence us, because if it's a false teaching, it can ruin the whole thing. And so I, that's why I encourage you. You know, I do my best to present you with truth. I do my best to present you with God's principles. But I encourage you, do your own homework. Take what I say and study it. And, and it, let me know if I'm saying something that's not true. But we need to be diligent in our own lives and in our own studying and, and know what it is we are allowing to influence what we believe. Because if it's a false teaching, it can change everything about what you believe. And Paul makes the argument, if I wasn't preaching the truth, do you think I'd still be persecuted by the Jews? But because I am preaching the truth, I do experience persecution. So he's kind of making this, this, he's making the claim that if we stand for truth, we can be sure that we will come under some persecution because people don't like truth. Truth hurts sometimes. It's good for us, but he's warning that when we stop teaching truth, persecution goes away. And this leads us to uh, our key verses today, and I'm going to look at verse 13 one more time, and it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Here we see that while we have freedom, we have guidelines. Paul has set the table as to why we were given freedom. It wasn't for me to indulge myself. It wasn't for me to do what I wanted to do for myself, but it was to serve one another in love. He poses this question in Romans uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Because he says before that, where sin abound, grace abounds all the more. So he's saying if, if grace is there when we make a mistake, does that give us the freedom to continue to make mistakes? Because grace will continue to be greater than our sin. And he says by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So can we live a life where we accept grace and then live how we want? 
Well, no. We are dead to sin. We have been set free from it. We are a new creation through the renewing of our mind. The old is gone. The new has come. We have thrown off our old selves and, and our flesh, and, and now we are different. Now, is, gra- is Christ's grace sufficient enough to forgive us of all sins? Absolutely. Even when we willfully sin against him, his grace is there, and it is sufficient. But we miss the point of being set free from that life if we continue to go back to it. God wants us to be set free from that. You know, society teaches us that it's all about me. It's about what satisfies me. And it's about I got to get my own. Uh, It's do me because I deserve it. And and that society is constantly pushing that. I mean, watch a commercial. You deserve this interest rate. You deserve this hamburger. You deserve this. You, you, and, and it's like, it's always about what I want. And that's the, the difference between Christianity and the world. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but um, Aleister Crowley, you ever heard of him? He's a, a known occultist. And he wrote a book that was, became a, a, a main teaching in religion that he created. His father had converted to Christianity, and then Alistair rejected it and got into the occult. But he, he wrote this. He said, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, meaning I can do whatever I want as long as it's good for me, as long as it's good for myself. And Paul is saying, on the contrary, we have freedom. God has given you that freedom. And, yes, you can use that freedom for whatever you want. But it's best used in loving one another and serving one another. So I, I say again, our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. Our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. Do we have the freedom again to do what we want? Yes. But is it to the benefit of those around me? Is it to the benefit of me? Am I concerned only about myself or do I bring and, and encourage others with my life. In verses 14 through 15, it says, For the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Here we see everything summed up into one sentence. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is summed up into that. There are people that, yes, are destruct, dis- destroy their own lives through decisions, habits. But for the most part, every person wants to take care of themselves. They want to better themselves. They want to improve their lives. So if that's how I want to treat myself, then my concern should be helping you improve your life, helping you live the life that God has called us to live, to be an encouragement to you, to serve you, to help you. See, this is who we are. Number one, as, as, a, as a nation, Americans, think about it. When there is a natural disaster, who gives more? Who does more? Who serves more? When the, the earthquakes happened in Haiti, America far surpassed who, all the other nations that gave in resources, in money, in time. That, that's who we are as Americans. When there's a disaster with these trees that are falling down, the community comes together and serves and helps one another. We see it all the time with the tornadoes in Tornado Alley where they come through and they rip up the neighborhood and the community comes together and they help each other. 
That's who we are. That's who the church should be. We should be that example of that to the world. This is what it looks like to serve. This is what it looks like to give. This is what it looks like. And I've said it from the, the beginning, from when I first started uh, leading the, this church. Life Church is a church that gives. This church is a church that gives of their time, of their effort, of their resources. You guys understand what it means to be generous givers. And it's not always about money, but it's about with your time, your talents. And you allow God to use you in those things. This church is filled with people that serve. You know, in our greatest example of freedom, a man that could have done whatever he wanted because he was the king of the universe was Jesus. And he said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is our heritage. As we are adopted into God's family, that is our heritage. And that is who we are to, Im to imitate is Christ. Christ gave himself for us sacrificially. We are to do the same. We are to give of ourselves sacrificially. That's who we are. We're to be Christ-like. You know, I pose the question, what would this world look like if we could grasp this concept, share this concept, and help other people embrace this concept that it's not all about me all the time. There are times, yes, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to look out for our homes. But we can't just focus on us and neglect other people. I was talking with Tiffany this morning, and we, we were, she realized that there's no one visiting the prisons for uh, church. They're not allowing church services to happen there and that you can do one-on-one -on -one meetings, but maybe that's something, you know, we can start doing and, and helping out. Even a, a local jail here, is there areas that we can step up and help and serve and, and give back to our community? And what would it look like if we took this principle and applied it in everyday life? How would things be different? You know, and Paul warns us in verse 15, and I, I pulled this from the Living Translation because uh, I, I just I liked the way it, it, it worded it. It says, but instead of showing love among yourselves, you are always critical and catty. Watch out. Beware of ruining each other. I feel like that's our society. We're so critical. We're so easily offended. We're so quick to, to judge and, and jump down each other's throat. We're, we're catty. And we're, as a society, devouring ourselves with it. We see it in Oregon. We see it in, in um, Minnesota. We see it in these, these places where we're allowing ourselves to destroy our communities and, and destroy our, our businesses. And, and we've got to be careful because we're, we're ruining each other. We need to adopt and accept that our freedom isn't just for us. It's not just to serve me. So I challenge you, let's, let's be the change. Let's be the difference. Let's be the ones that love one another through service. Let's be the ones that give. Because our freedom is our opportunity to love one another 
through service. Our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. Right now with our eyes closed, our heads bowed, I just want to take a minute. Whether you're in this place or you're watching online, and you would say, I don't understand. I don't have this freedom. I want this freedom. I want to invite you to accept Jesus into your life and into your heart. And if, that, if that's you, if you would raise a hand, I would love to pray for you. Father, we come to you this morning and you know our hearts and you know where we are at. And I just ask, Lord, if there's anybody in this place or, or watching online that, it, that is saying, I want this freedom and I want this freedom to be expressed through loving and giving to others. I want to be adopted into this family. Lord, I pray that you would meet them where they are at, that you would speak to them. You would speak to their hearts. I ask, Jesus, that you would transform them, transform us. Help this principle to sink in deep, to love one another and to give to one another selflessly, to love one another through our freedom, to build one another up. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when you walked in, you should have gotten uh, a little of sin. So when we eat this wafer, that's, that's what we're remembering. That's what we are uh, honoring was what he did for us going through that process and, and dying for us on the cross. So, Father, we come to you, and we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much that you sent your son to make a way for us to have a right relationship with you, that, it was, that through his body, the breaking of his body, forgiveness of sin was given once and for all, and that through that act, we, through faith, we can be made right before you. So we give you honor and we give you praise, and we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on our behalf. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and partake. Then in verse 25 it says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All of the songs we sang today were about God's amazing grace, about how he has taken what has been broken, what has been dirtied, what, what needed redemption and gave it to us. And the, the cup, the juice represents that new covenant in his blood. And, and he said, I'm coming back for you. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't say this to you. And so when it says we do this until to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back, he is coming back, friends. One day God is going to send his son to come back and take his church home.
to be with him in heaven forever. And it's through the covenant in, the, in his blood. So, Jesus, we come to you and we thank you for this covenant. We thank you that in you there is salvation beyond just earth, but that you will take us with you one day to heaven, that one day we will be with you for all eternity. We thank you that you poured out all of your blood. We thank you that you cleanse us, you make us pure, you make us righteous through you. We accept it and we receive it through faith and we give you glory, honor, and praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and drink. Amen. Can we just give him some praise in this place this morning? Jesus, we thank you so much. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. You are great. You are mighty. You are holy and you are just. And we thank you that you love us. We thank you, Father, that you adopt us. We thank you that you give us freedom to live how we want, but that you give us direction and guidelines on how to live our life. May our lives be a representation of love, uh, of using our freedom to serve one another, to love one another. Help us to use our freedom to further your kingdom. Lord, to bring as many people with us as possible on that great day when you return. We bless you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. All right. So I have a reflection and a challenge for you this week. The reflection is this. I want you to take time over the next week and really stew on this idea, this concept, this principle that our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. And how does, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for your life? How do you make that happen? And the challenge is this. Serve someone. Serve someone. What does that look like? Maybe take someone to coffee. Sit down and have a conversation with them. Hear them out. Hear their problems, their stresses, their worries. Love on them. Maybe if your neighbor is, has a project, take some time and go help them with their project. If your coworker has a, something that needs to be done or needs help at work, help them get their project done. Just look for opportunities to serve people. Because remember, Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Let us be that church that loves people no matter who they are, where they're from, what they look like, what they smell like. We love people. Because it's through that love people will be drawn to Jesus. It's through that love people will be interested. Let us be a church that continues to love on people, that continues to give to people. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I thank you for being here. I love you guys, and I can't wait to see you next week. Have a great week. God bless. <laughs>